0: Exodus 25, <clears throat> verse number 10, Exodus 25 and 10, it said, And they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof a cubit and a half the height thereof, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. Thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, and two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. Thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, and thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne by or with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark; they shall not be taken from it. Thou shalt put into the ark of the testimony which, uh, put into the ark of the testimony which I give thee. Thou shalt make uh, a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a and a cubit and a half above. Thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work. Shalt thou make them in the uh, two ends of the mercy seat, and one. Make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. Thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. There I will meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Amen. You may be seated. I'm talking, uh, the title of my lesson tonight is um, Don't Forget God. Amen. Don't forget God. This is kind of an interesting passage of Scripture that I read. I'm not going to go in great detail about the history or the surrounding verses that are here, uh, but what a, what an incredible thing. Now, God gave the plan for the tabernacle and for all of the instruments of the tabernacle. Everything in the tabernacle had a purpose. There was a reason why uh, God put everything in there. There were a lot of different pieces of furniture and, and uh, instruments in the tabernacle. But uh, when God came to this particular uh, portion of the tabernacle this piece of furniture <clears> there <throat> it was very different than the rest of them because the rest of the the pieces were uh, about us it was about man i'm not and, and again i'm i there's a lot here that i could teach from and i'm just trying to get quickly to my point there the everything in the tabernacle was about man you have the the altars you have the, the, the labor, you have the bread all of those signified a connection with God or, or the, the anointing of God or the washing and the cleansing by God but this particular past or this particular article or piece of furniture in the in the tabernacle was reserved for God. in fact it was so reserved for God that it was put in a room in the back of the tabernacle called we, we refer to this as the holiest of holies, the most holy place and uh, it was this article was put there this ark of the covenant was put there and that was the place that God chose to dwell amen I don't don't ask me why God chose to do it that way he's God I'm not I you know there's a lot of uh, discussion about this there are a lot of representations there's a lot of uh, illustrations of of God the power of God and so on and so forth but uh, this was the the, the thing that, that God used to illustrate His presence in the nation of Israel. Amen. He, he you know, before this time, <clears throat> God filled every bit of space around them. But He told Moses, He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build this, this place, and that, or put together this place, according to my specifications. When you're all done, I'm going to come and my presence is going to dwell on that mercy seat. I'm going to dwell between those cherubims. I'm going to be there, and that's where. And and so the presence of God dwelt there. As a result of that, they, you could see visibly see the presence of God manifested over that tabernacle day and night. In the daytime, there was a cloud. The Bible called it a pillar of cloud. Um, I, I've heard a lot of different uh, people talk about this in the in the wilderness that they went through it was a very very hot and a very arid place very dry and uh in order for and, and much of the year is there is no rain there it's very very hot very very hot uh i we were there in 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 a month when it should have been cool and believe me it was not cool at all it was very very hot um but uh, God. So in the daytime, God over he he hovers over top of the tabernacle, and, and there's this big pillar of cloud there, and, and at nighttime the manifestation of his presence being in the tabernacle was a pillar of fire that literally burned there all night long. Now think about this. They didn't have street lights. They didn't have they didn't have uh, you know any way to see at nighttime. And in that, in that region, in the desert region where they're at, it can be very hot in the daytime, but it can also be very cool or sometimes very cold at nighttime. And so in the daytime, the cloud would, would give them shade or it would cover up uh, part of the sun to give them uh, it, it, light but, and warmth, but also it, it kept the intense heat from that sun from burning upon them day after day after day. But at nighttime, the presence of God warmed, not only did it warm them, it lit them. There's a whole lot of significance there that I could go into. But it all emulated from this little piece of furniture that's in the back room of the tabernacle called the holy place. Amen. Very evident throughout the Bible that God desires to be with, me, with men, to, to dwell in the presence of men and to have fellowship with them. God could be anywhere He wanted to be. He could, have, he could have been off in a mountain someplace, or He could, you know, He fills all of space, and so God could have just continued to speak to them in, in mysterious ways or from a voice from heaven. But God chose to come right to that place and dwell there in that place so that they knew. If if we need to find God, we know where He's at. He's right in that room there. He's in that building in that or in that tent in that in the and there's a room in the back. We know where God is. Man, it's kind of interesting that God chose to do that. Amen. He literally came to Earth or to that place to spend time or or spend to to actually live there to dwell in that place where. Where man was. It's noteworthy that out of the entire universe that he came looking for fellowship with the man that he had created with his own hands. That God took time to give a plan that would make it uh, feasible for God to have a place that, that he could say, Here here am I. You come over here and, and you'll find me here. Amen. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God made sure that a plan was put in place that allowed Uh, man to find a place where they could come and commune with him. Uh, You see, this desire for fellowship started a long time ago. That's why John said that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. God never makes mistakes. Ever. God never, ever, ever makes mistakes. People a lot of times ask, well, why did God uh, let sin come into the world uh, in the first place? I mean, the world was perfect the way God created it. And they act as if God made a mistake when He allowed, or he, he, it was an oops moment when God allowed sin to come into the, into the world. It's very simple. I, I've said this probably a thousand times in preaching, but it always bears repeating. He wanted somebody to love Him just because they loved Him, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. Amen. He already had made beings that were made specifically to serve Him. They had no other option. They were made to serve him, and he needed and wanted more than that. There is a vast difference between serving and loving. Amen. A big difference. I mean, it's it's there's a a, a big huge difference between serving somebody and loving that person. Amen. Amen. We talk about finding God. I I've, I hear people say, "Well, I found God." I like God was lost. <laughs> Amen. God's never been lost. Amen. We we don't find God, we discover him. <laughs> Amen. In discovering God, when we discover God, when we come in contact with him for the first time and when we we actually stumble across God and or I don't I wouldn't even say we stumble across him. The Bible says it's not an accident. No man comes unless the spirit of God draws him. And so when we encounter God, I should say, for the first time, and and there He is, then we're faced with decisions. We've got some decisions that we have got to make. What are we going to do with Him? Amen. When you encounter God for the very first time, what are you going to do with Him? When we look at man's track record, I can tell you this, it's not been very good. It's been, in fact, very bad. The way uh, what ma- man has done with God. We read about the ark that was built as a rep- representation of the place where Israel could communicate with God. It was an incredibly sacred place. This was uh, something that, that they possessed and, and this was the, the great representation of God in their midst. Amen. It was from this place that God spoke to Moses concerning his desire and his plan for the Israelites. All of these things happen, and I've got scriptures here that I could uh, go into. I'm not going to go in in great detail, Uh, but here's one in Numbers chapter seven, verse eighty-nine. It said, "When Moses." was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him. Then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from off the mercy seat that was upon the Ark of Testimony from between the two cherubims, and he spoke unto them. So Moses actually heard the voice of God. And and you can read this uh, chapter and the surrounding chapters later and get the setting that was there. But Moses actually spoke uh, there to God and heard the voice of God coming off of this piece of furniture that I just read to you about. In Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 1, it said, The Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. And then he began to talk to Moses. Amen. God shows up in some pretty incredible places. Amen. I'm telling you, sometimes... I've heard some of your testimonies of how God has... where you've seen God show up or how God has spoke to you or, or how God has revealed Himself to you. It's pretty awesome how God does it. Amen. It's not always the same way. It it, it may be different between your experience and my experience of how God shows up. Amen. Many times when we think God's not anywhere close, all of a sudden out of nowhere we hear the voice of God or see uh, how God begins to work. Sometimes we think we're just going down our path doing our own thing. And all of a sudden God begins to speak to us. And sometimes in the midst of that, uh, you you feel like maybe you're very far away from God. And yet when you hear the voice of God, it's right there next to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was the most important piece of furniture in the entire nation of Israel. Not just in the tabernacle, but in the entire nation. It represented the place where the presence of God was. Amen. Israel knew how uh, that they were to take care of the Ark and yet they didn't do as good a job as they should have done. Amen. Like a lot of Christians of today, they grew very careless about their, their, the presence of God and the representation of the presence of God. That is, uh, until they found out the ark was in a place where it didn't belong. Amen. Here's the problem that we have. And I'm going I'm to touch on this a little bit more before I finish this. Bible study up. But here's the problem that we have a lot of times. It's not that we don't know where God is. Where have we left Him? Where have we put God? Where have we allowed God to go? Amen. Amen. The ark ended up in a place a long way from where God intended it to be. Through a whole... Uh, process of things, neglect, care, carelessness, disobedience, unconcern. Amen. Uh, just turning a blind eye or, or a deaf ear to God and, and not paying attention to what God uh, was trying to tell them. It's it's very easy for us to criticize them for this blatant and grievous error, but unfortunately, all too often that same thing happens in our lives. Amen. I'm I'm not here to criticize anybody, but I'm telling you something. We gotta be careful that we don't forget God. Amen. That we don't that we don't leave God someplace. You know, I, and I don't mean that like I could there's no way I could pick God up and carry him over here and put him there and, and walk away and leave him, because God's gonna be where I'm at when I get back. Here's the problem it's relationship. It's about relationship. It's about fellowship, Amen. It's about being in the presence of God, not walking out of the presence of God. Amen. As a result of their failure, Israel went through some of the most ho- horrible times uh, without the presence of God in their midst. It actually got so bad that their enemies, uh, the Philistines, defeated them and, and ultimately ended up uh, taking the Ark of the Covenant and, and, and bringing it to, to uh, Palestine or or, or wherever they, their temple was. Amen. We find the Ark of, of God being put in a pagan temple. Amen. Kind of a humorous story, actually, the way it happened. I mean, they bring the Ark of God into this temple, and their god in there is named Dagon. And they, they set the Ark in the temple. They knew that this was a sacred vessel. They, the, the, the Philistines and everybody else around knew that this vessel was very sacred, this piece of furniture. And so they wanted it. They thought, man, if we could just get this, then we've got something. I mean, we've got all the power on our side. But they bring it into their temple and set it there. And the next morning they walk in there. And their, their god, their stone god, Dagon, had fallen off his pedestal and was laying on his face in front of that all, that ark. So they set, the, they set Dagon back up on his pedestal again. And they put him there and get him in his place. And they go on about their business. The next day they come in there. And, and this time Dagon has fallen off and he's broken in pieces. I'll tell you what. That had power, but God's not going to. Serve. He's not going to. He's not going to waste His power, and He's not going to share His power. And there certainly is no stone God that you can put in front of Him that's more powerful than He is. Amen. Hallelujah. But here, look at this mess that they're in. Here, here they are. Where? Why did the Ark even end up there? Where? Who told them to bring it out of the out of the the holiest of holies? Who told them that they could carry the ark down the road and take it into battle with them? Where where did God instruct them to do these kinds of things? When you get so careless with the presence of God or with the things of God uh, that that you don't treat God the, the way He should be treated, Amen. In our world today, religious people talk about God as though He were some kind of a a slave or or He He's working for me or. You know, God's going to, you know, I mean, they order God around and, and tell God. I'm talking about religious people. I'm not talking. Now, when I say religious, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about Holy Ghost filled people. <laughs> I'm talking about religious people. There's a difference between being religious and being Holy Ghost filled. Amen. A lot of people are religious, but a lot of those religious people aren't Holy Ghost filled. Well, I better just get off of that and go on. It's, I feel a little uneasiness going on in here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And and and, and they want to, you know, they act like God's their errand boy. God's going to do this, and God's going to do that, and we're 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 commanding that God do this. We're commanding that God do that, and we're going to dispatch God over here and dispatch God over there. Let me tell you something. God's not my errand boy. If anything, I'm God's errand boy. Amen. And, and, and they get careless with God. And that's exactly what happened there. There is no place in Scripture where God told them to pick up the Ark of the Covenant and walk out of the, ta- the tabernacle with it and take it into battle with them. But they thought, well, this is the re- representation of God's presence, so we'll just drag Him wherever we want Him to go. We'll use God how we want Him to use. We'll make God our little errand boy and He'll win our battles for us. And it didn't work out quite that way. Amen. Now all of a sudden we find the ark down in, 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 in the camp of the Philistines, down in a place where God did not intend to be. Not, he did not intend for His presence to be there. He didn't say, build me a house down here and I'll move down there now. Amen. Carelessness, neglect, disobedience. Amen. It wasn't that God left the Israelites... It was that they left him. Now I wonder what, how in the world did I mean? Of all things to leave behind, you go into battle. You can leave leave your 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 weapons behind. You can leave uh, your chariots behind. Leave the horses behind. Leave. Garments behind. You can leave money, anything else behind when you're there. But why in the world would you leave the thing that represents the presence of God and run off the battlefield without it? Amen. How do you expect you're going to get by? How do you expect you're ever going to have another victory again? Or God's ever going to be able to work in your behalf again? Because you just left the thing. You forgot it. just left it sitting back there on the battlefield. Amen. A great period of time went by, amen. And th- here they are without it, amen. They left. I-, I don't get it. How was it that they were willing to just leave the thing that represented everything about the presence of God, just to walk away and leave it? I I've I- I wondered why didn't somebody wake up one day and said. And say, now David finally did, but why didn't somebody else say, you know what, we need to do whatever it takes to go back and get that, that ark? That, that represents the power of God, that represents the, the blessings of God in, in Israel, that represents everything uh, about God to us. Amen. What a sad expose on how far away from God they had gotten. That they, were, that they were content to just live their lives and just go on about their business. Amen. And God was not in the tabernacle anymore. Oh, the tabernacle was still there. But God wasn't there. The presence of God wasn't there anymore. I, I, how, how does that happen? How, how, how can you just go on your way and, and, and live your life without the presence of God, when, when it was the only constant factor that you've ever known, the only thing that was, that was solid in your entire life, the thing that brought blessings, and, and, and you've, heard, you've heard stories about this, this powerful uh, presence of God. How? How can you walk away and forget about it? <coughs> Amen. There needs to be a sensitivity in the heart of every person that's ever had a relationship with God that can sense uh, when and if that relationship is not where it should be. Let me tell you something. If you're, if you're, if you're trying to live for God, you need to be so sensitive to the, to the presence of God that if something is just not right, just a little bit, it, it pricks your heart. It gets a hold of you. And you ought to be so sensitive that if, if, if something is just a little off kilter in your relationship with God, it ought to bother you. It, it ought to wake you up at night. Amen. It ought to make you want to get on your face before God and pray. If something's off in my relationship with God, I immediately feel it. And I I, I always want to be sensitive to that. I always want to know when when I, I'm, I'm slipping a little bit in, in my... get Just getting careless. We all do it. We all do it. Get up some morning and just get in a little bit of a hurry and run out the door and you know I, I, I read the Bible all these days and all of a sudden just one morning just one morning just one morning I get a little careless and I get up and run out the door and don't, don't read my Bible and I, I ought to be sensitive enough that 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 there ought to be a voice that speaks to me and says hey you ought you ought to go back and read your Bible I ought to be sensitive enough to the voice of God and knowing the presence of God that if I haven't prayed today, I ought to hear the voice of God telling me, Hey, you ought you ought to you didn't pray. I haven't heard from you today. You say, Well, it was just one day. Just 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 one morning. What's the big deal? Well, you see, it's 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 only the one day, then it's another day, and then another day, and after a while. You're so busy. Oh, it happens. I've talked to people. I've, I've talked to people that have told me. I I've talked to a man that fell into sin. He was a pastor and fell into sin. And he told, I asked him one time, just he and I talking. And I said, how did this happen? What, how did it happen? He said, I'll tell you how it happened. I got so busy doing everything I was supposed to do. I, for, I stopped praying, stopped reading my Bible stop having communion with god until one morning i woke up and my life was in a mess amen you you need to be so sensitive to the voice of god amen don't ever forget god amen don't let the morning get by without having some kind of communion with god amen some you need every, every you say every morning i say every morning Amen. David, David got in a mess, and it was after that that he said, "Early will I seek you." David realized what what it was like. He said, I, "I," he said, "I was on my way," and he said, "My steps nigh well slipped." In other words, I almost lost everything because I forgot to have my relationship with God. David was not in the place that he needed to be. He was doing something else when he ought to. Be. He should have been out on the battlefield, and he was staying at home playing games. Amen. I tell you something: the sensitivity to God needs to be there all the time, and, and it ought to get you in the morning when you wake up in the morning. There ought to be something that says starts nagging at your mind, starts tapping on your shoulder, and saying, "Hey, you need to pray. You need to read the Word. You need to talk to God." Amen. We want we want we want great. Uh, things to happen. We want to do ex- exploits. And in, in the book of Daniel, he said that people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The problem of it is, we can't be doing exploits because we don't know God. I'm, I'm talking about not forgetting God. Amen. Amen. There needs to be that sensitivity. Amen. That, that if something is not quite right in my relationship with God, I immediately sense it and I do everything in my power to correct my mistakes and get back on the right track. Amen. If my relationship with God seems to be strained or if God begins to seem distant to me, someone needs to be able to step up and do whatever it takes to get my relationship or your relationship back where it needs to be. I need to get up on my face or get down on my face before God and pray until I pray through again. Amen. Until I find that tremendous presence of God again. Amen. In 2 Samuel, we find that King David finally decided that it was time to bring the ark of of God back to the place where it belonged. Amen. I do want to read this. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and verse 12, it said, It was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him, because the ark of God... Uh, so David went and brought up the ark of, of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Now, let me pause here for a minute. I'm going to go ahead and read this, but let me let me kind of lay the groundwork of what happened. This the the uh, the uh, Philistines all of a sudden realized this ark wasn't working the way they thought it was going to. Huh. I mean, it 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 didn't it didn't it wasn't going good for those guys. And I'm not going to tell you all the details because you already read most of them. But I mean I mean everybody in, in and their brother was getting into trouble people were dying. I mean people were getting sick they, they were mishand- you, you don 't misuse the presence of god you don 't mishandle the the sanctity of god 's presence you, you don 't just get it 's not a toy to play with it 's not something that you you don 't just take the presence of God and use it uh, for as a tool in your toolbox and that 's exactly what they were doing oh we're going we 're going to use it 's like the magic genie box you know uh, and, and they 'd move it from one place and they 'd move it over here and, and the bible said i mean it got bad. Oh, yeah. You go back. I'm not going to tell you all about I, I I didn't want to talk about what happened, but it got bad. You go back and read it. Some of you are looking at me like, I've never read that before. I don't know what you're talking about. You ought to be writing your Bible, and you'd know exactly what I was talking about. It got bad. I mean, it got real bad. Now, some of you are going to go home tonight, and you're going to read this. I know. I can already sense it. <laughs> you can't hear huh? I, you can't even believe what God did to all of them. They said, we want this thing out of here. I mean, we want it out of here today. It, it, it's, it's not doing us any good. Let's get it out of here. They knew better than to mess with it because they they'd already seen. I mean, they somebody. Uh, I, I, well, I'm not going to go into details. <laughs> so they put it on a cart. They get a couple of milk cows and they said they took their calves away from them. And they said, if if this is. If this is of God, then God will take the... I mean, you you don't take a milk cow away from her calves. If you know anything about cattle, she ain't going to go anywhere. They took those calves away from the, that that milk cow and sent those... Or there's two of them. They sent them on down the road. And the Bible says they went on down the road blowing. They were going... I mean, they were calling those calves, but they kept walking. Why? Because the presence of God was moving them. So it ended up at Obed Edom's house. And they, oh, I don't know how they got it in the house because you're not supposed to touch it. <laughs> they got it in the house somehow or another, and God begins to bless Obed Edom's house. Now, uh, somebody told, came and told David, said, you know, Obed Edom, he's got more blessings than he can contain. Right. And, and everybody knew that the, the ark was in Obed Edom's house, and David said, you know what? We all need those blessings. Why in the world are we just letting Obed-Edom be blessed? Why are we letting just that guy down there be blessed? And, 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 and where I'm just reading to you from right now, David said, I, it's time for us to bring that back to Israel. Not just to one guy's house. God didn't just send His presence down for one person. He's not just here to anoint just somebody. He, he wants us all to be blessed. He wants us all to feel the presence of God. He wants us all to be able to partake of it. And so he said, "Yeah, I, I, I want to bring the ark back home. I want, I want the presence of God back. You've, we've forgotten Him a while. I don't know how this we got by this long, but it's time to bring God back." And so we go to the thirteenth verse It said, "When they they went down there to the house, and when it was, and it was so that when they had bared the they bare the ark, had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings." And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and he was girded with the linen ephod. People say well, David danced naked before the Lord. He did not. The linen ephod was a garment of praise that the priest wore, and he put on that that garment of praise, and he begins to dance before the Lord with all of his might. And he's and he he he's he's not. He's not worried about being the king. All, you know, they, it said they, they went six paces. I just I, I just envisioned in my mind, because they had tried to bring it home another way. They put they got some guys that weren't supposed to be touching it, and, I, and one of them, put, they put it on a cart, and driving the cart, and one of them reached up and touched it, and was killed, and David was displeased, and stuck at in Obed-Edom's house. And now, I, I'm kind of... I gave you the Reader's Digest version, okay? So now here we are, and we're bringing the ark home. And David's... I can just imagine him standing back and watching. One, two, three, four, five, six. Nobody's got killed yet. David's excited. I mean, the ark's moving, going home. Nobody's dead yet. David starts dancing. I mean the Bible says they stop, he stopped everything. I'm happy. God's not killed us. Everything's going according to plan. So they had a sacrifice right there on the spot. And then they went another six paces and he stopped everything. And they sacrificed. I mean, this is how they brought the ark home. Because David was he realized all of a sudden God's power, his blessings, his anointing, his provision is coming back where it belongs to. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Amen. It says after that uh, he he let me jump down here because I don't want to read this whole thing. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, uh, Saul's daughter, looked out through a win- or looked through a window and saw King David dan- leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord, set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. What an incredible feeling this is. The ark is back where it belongs. I'm going to just tell you this. There's always going to be people on the edges of, uh, of the circle that are going to criticize. Well, I don't see it that way, and I don't believe we ought to have to do that. And I don't believe that's important. I don't. I, don't worry about the criticizers. If you sit around worrying about people that criticize, that's all you're going to ever do is worry about people that don't criticize. You just go on and do whatever God wants you to do. Go on and get involved in the presence of God. Go on and bring God back into the middle of your life. Amen. They danced. They rejoiced. They, they, They could actually sense the glory of God like they had done in the past. They felt the presence of God again. What a feeling. There's nothing like the presence of God. Hallelujah. Can you imagine what it must have felt like? I don't know how long the ark was gone. But to, to, to feel it all of a sudden back in the nation of Israel. Wherever God is, you're going to feel Him. To feel, to actually feel the anointing of God again. To feel the presence of God again. There is nothing like that. Amen. So that brings us to this service. The question is this, how is your relationship with God? In fact, I'd I'd like to just narrow it down a little bit more. and And I'm not asking anybody to answer out loud. This is between you and God. But have you left Him someplace? Are you keeping Him where He should be in your life? Is God the most prominent focus of your life? Is everything else more important than God? I mean, is your job, your the sports uh, that happens to be going on at the particular time, is that more important than God? Are your your relationships more important in, than God? Come on now, your hobbies more important. Come on! Hallelujah! Amen! I'm talking about where you left God last. It's, it, you can't just pick Him up on Sunday and then walk out and leave Him here until next Sunday or the next or the next or the next. Amen! Where are you leaving God at? Amen? Because you, you're wanting to go on through life and be blessed, and yet you're leaving God someplace. Amen. Hallelujah. Does He control the flow in your home and your family? Is, is your home a sanctuary for God to dwell in? Does God feel, even feel comfortable in your life? Does He feel comfortable in your home? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God said that, uh, that you're, this was your responsibility, and there's no way that you can abdicate that responsibility and, and, and still be alright with God. Amen. You, it's yours. You can't say, well, I'm going to let the church do it, or I'm going to let the pastor do it, or I'm going to let a Sunday school teacher do it, or I'm going to go to a conference or a camp and let them do it. No, it's your responsibility. Amen. It, I said it's your responsibility. Amen. you got to do it. Amen. Is everything good between you and God? Amen. Is everything good between you and God? Or have you relegated Him to some out-of-the-way place where you don't have to listen to Him tell you what you're doing is wrong? Amen. What about those things in your life that maybe you've allowed to become normal that at one time you wouldn't have even considered doing or allowed to be a part of your life? Amen. What about the things in your spiritual life that just don't work anymore? Amen. I, I'm, I hope I'm drilling down where you live. Have you ever wondered why? Have you ever? You feel like God is convicting you in the midst of a worldly environment, or has that environment become so comfortable to live in that you don't even feel conviction in it anymore? Amen. Where is God? Where is God? Amen. If it's become easy for you to entertain yourself with the things of the world, and you don't feel bad about the things of the world anymore, God is not where He should be in your life. I'm not asking if He is. I'm telling you, if it's easy for you to be entertained by the world and the things of the world, then God is just not where He should be in your life. It's time to bring Him back and put Him in His rightful place. Amen. It's time to go find God wherever you left Him and bring Him back home. Amen. I, I, I know that this is a figure of speech, but sometimes we've got to go back to, to where we found. Amen. It's time to stop blaming everybody else for what's wrong in your life. And you need to go where you can find God again. You need to get back to an altar of prayer, to a to a secret place of prayer, and pray until you pray through. That's an old-fashioned statement, praying through, amen. But we need a lot more of that. I, I, I'm weary with people that that spend thirty seconds at an altar and and feel like they've really gotten someplace. We can't, you can't pray through in thirty seconds, amen. I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being factual tonight. If you're gonna pray through, it's gonna take you some time. But yeah, but the game's starting in five minutes, or or, or I've got to be, you know, I'm, I'm meeting so and so for an appointment in in ten minutes, or I've got to be at dinner in this time. I'll tell you what, I, if ever if all of that's more important than 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 having that that moment with God, then you need to find God. You need to find God, hallelujah. Until you make that. I, I, listen to me, I encourage you to go back to that initial place where you built your first altar of sacrifice, where you first encountered God in, in a great way. And I'd say this, lay yourself on that altar before God. Just lay yourself down on that altar and, and, and do whatever it takes to bring His fullness back into your life again. Sacrifice yourself on that altar until you feel the presence of God. Amen, I most of the time that 's not going to be here at this altar it's going to be in a private place someplace until you cry bitter tears that are hot tears running down your face. It might be in your car, it might be in your bedroom in the middle of the night, it might be down in the basement and in, in a secluded place but I, I'm not talking about listening to music. I'm not. There's time to. There's time for all of that. But there's time you need to shut it all off. Shut off all the distraction. And you know sometimes we we want so many distractions and make it real comfortable. Don't make it comfortable. It needs to be uncomfortable. When you get on an altar, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going. Sacrifice has never been comfortable for anybody. And you need to crawl upon that altar and die there. Amen. Your will needs to die on that altar. Some things that you've been holding on to need to die on that altar. You need to shut everything out. Turn off all the music and turn off all the noise and and cry until you can't cry anymore. And then cry some more. You need to shed some tears in the presence of God. And you need to rip your heart open before God and let God see your bare soul and show God, I'm serious about this. I want, my, I want a relationship, God. And I can't do it in 30 seconds. I can't do it while the music station is playing. I've got to be quiet and listen for your voice, oh God. I don't want to forget you anymore. I, I don't want to walk away from you anymore, God. Hallelujah. 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 Until you make that decision, you will never reach the level uh, that you need to reach of God. And nothing else should matter. He's got to be everything in your life for I can tell you this, He will be nothing at all. Amen. Listen to the promises that God makes to those that follow His commandments and I'm finishing right now. In fact, you can stand with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse number 1, now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded you to, to, to teach you. That ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. I'm going to tell you, that's pretty strict. Sometimes we think, oh, that church is so narrow-minded. I'm going to tell you, God said, you put it everywhere. Every time you turn around, I want you to be aware of this. I want you to write it on the walls. I want you to write it on the door. I want you to put it... uh, The frontlet is a little box that they wear right here. Amen. And you see it everywhere you go. I mean, this little box is hanging there between your eyes. And every time you open your eyes, there it is. That's why God God said, I don't want you to forget what I'm talking to you about. These are commandments, not suggestions. He said, these are things that I demand of you. This is what I want. If you want me, this is how you're going to get me. Amen. Amen. And then he goes to verse 10. And listen to this. This is where it gets good. And it shall be. I like these words. And it shall be. Be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good, all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou digest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. I will give you stuff you never, you never touched before. Because you do what I command you to do. This is how it works. You want to be blessed? Line up with my commandments. Start just doing what I ask you to do. Live the way I want you to live. Develop a relationship with me that's that's not based upon what you want, but what I want. And then I'm going to bless you in ways you can't comprehend. You won't even have to work for the blessings that I'm going to give to you. Hallelujah. But he said this. Now it's easy to shout over that, but listen to this. He said, when you've eaten and you're full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shall swear by His name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. He said, beware. After I've blessed you, after I've given you all of the stuff that I'm going to give to you, you don't have to work for it. I'm going to give it to you, he said. But you beware that after all that happens, that you don't forget the Lord. Don't don't you forget who blessed you? Don't you forget where you're blessed? Sometimes we think, well, I just I just worked extra hours. That's how. no. Let me tell you something. God could end your job tomorrow. He could foreclose on your home tomorrow. Amen. Oh yes, he could. Oh no, yes, he could. He said, don't you forget. I'm going to tell you, we're blessed people. But the problem of it is, he said it's very possible that after all the things that I give to you, that you could forget about me. He said, I'm be, you beware because I don't want you to forget who I am. Don't forget God. Don't forget about the Lord. Don't forget about the blessings of God. Don't forget how far God has brought you. Don't forget how, what He's forgiven you from and where He's taken you to. Don't ever forget. Don't forget. Amen. Amen. I'm going to challenge you tonight and I'm going to close. Are you... You need to understand this. The choice belongs to no one but you. To no one but you. And what will you do with that choice? You're going you to keep God in the foremost of your mind? Are you going to pray every day? going to read the Bible every day? Amen. Come on now. You need to go back to the place where you once had fellowship with God on a very regular basis. You need to go back to the last place where you had that hot prayer meeting, where you talked to God, where you, where you prayed through and you got, you got in touch with God and you cried and prayed. Man, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that feeling. There's nothing like that presence. You need to go back to that place and you need to re, re, rekindle that relationship. Amen. Amen. Keep your heart right and don't ever forget God. Don't ever go back on God. Don't ever turn your back and act like you did this on your own. I'll tell you what, if you, if you ever get to the place where you think I did this on my own, God will step back and let you do it on your own. Amen. Let's pray right now because I feel like God is talking to us. Amen. And I want us to, I want us to leave this place tonight with a a serious heart. I want us to get to the place where when we walk out of here tonight, we walk out of here with an intention to live for God like we never have before. And let God touch your heart. Amen. Don't just be a Sunday or a Wednesday Christian. Amen. Don't just be a once a month or once a week Christian. Be Be a child of God every single day of your life.